And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor, my honor. Today is Monday, December the 21st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Did it? There are 10 days, 10 days left in this year. Winter arrived this morning at 5.02 a.m. Eastern Time. Today on December 21st, 1620, the Pilgrims... Aboard the Mayflower, they went ashore for the first time at present-day Plymouth, Massachusetts. They'd been sitting there in the bay looking at land. Today, they went. They went. They went to the to the shore. Today, in 1864, during the Civil War, Union forces led by Major General William T. Sherman, they concluded their march to the sea as they captured Savannah, Georgia. Today in 1913, the first newspaper, Crossword Puzzle, they called it a Word Cross Puzzle. It was published in the New York World newspaper. Today in 1914, the U.S. government began requiring passport applicants to provide photographs of themselves to be put on the passport. Today in 1945, U.S. Army General George Patton, who was 60 years old, he died in Heidelberg, Germany, it was 12 days after he'd been seriously injured in a car accident. Patton had been through all kinds of war experiences, ended up getting killed in a car wreck. Today in 1968, Apollo 8 was launched on a mission to orbit the moon. And today in 1991, 11 of the 12 former Soviet republics proclaimed the birth of the Commonwealth of Independent States, and they proclaimed the death of of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Socialism always dies. It brings about death, not life. Today in 1995, the city of Bethlehem passed from Israeli to Palestinian control. Well, (laughs) beginning today or tomorrow, The days start getting longer. Oh, the days are always 24 hours long. I know that. But daylight, we won't notice it for quite a while. But we'll know that it's happening. I take great joy in that because I love the light. I know darkness is necessary. God created it that way, but I just like the light. The longer the day, the better I like it. That all starts today, so... That's a good thing. At least as far as I'm concerned, it is. I hope you feel the same about that. The two largest planets in our solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, align today, December 21st. They create what's sometimes referred to as the Christmas star. I've been reading a lot about that. People are talking about it. They're trying to attach a lot of mysticism to Christmas. Oh, I know the history well. But when the planets line up on today, the start of winter solstice, the mystics come out from under the rocks. The, the planets appear to be to form kind of a double planet. It's a rare event. It's one that hasn't happened really since the Middle Ages. Rick Larson is a guy. He's a Christian. He's a scientist. And he does a lot of uh, study on the stars and one thing or another from a biblical perspective. He's done a documentary called The Star of Bethlehem. Very interesting stuff in it. But uh, he says, in reality, the planets won't be close at all. They just look like that to viewers 
on Earth because of their alignment, but they're really a long ways apart. He said they are, they are not together in the sense that we think of as together. And he says when you hear this about the fact that that is the star of Bethlehem, he said, no, it isn't. Um, he's done a lot of research on the topic. He has done research clear back to the time of Christ, the movement of the planets, the stars, and so on. But he reports on all of this from a biblical perspective. He was talking to CBN on the 700 Club the other day, and they were talking about the Magi or the three wise men. He said they were most likely court advisors to Babylon, and they used the stars to give guidance. And he said they, um, you have to ask yourself, why would God guide astrologers of all people to the king of kings? And he said that's just where they were coming from. But uh, he talks about the wise men, and it's very interesting stuff. I don't have time to get into it today, except to say that uh, in his interview, he said this. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God. Of course, that's what the Bible says. He said, with today's telescopes, the grandeur of the skies is more visible than ever before. Yet, even with the naked eye, he said, the psalmist proclaimed the heavens to declare the glory of God. He said, how could it be that the star of Bethlehem was an example in announcing the Messiah, or is this some kind of misguided astrology? Then he goes on to say that the Bible comes down extremely hard on astrology. Reverence for the stars, the idea that stars order your life or guide you or whatever. He said, did you know that it was a killing offense in the Old Testament? to believe or to practice that your life was guided by stars. Then he went on to make this analogy. He said, a thermometer can tell you if it's hot or cold, but it can't make you hot or cold because it's not an active agent. He said, that's what stars are like. According to the Bible, they can tell you things. They can even be a a sign from God, from God on high. But he said, they can't make you do anything. They're just burning balls of gas. He said, keep that in mind. He said, the Romans thought the star was about them. So they worshipped it and put it on a coin. He said, all the time, it wasn't about them at all. It was the announcement of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I thought that was interesting. That's just a snippet of a much longer conversation that he had with the folks on the 700 Club. But I found that kind of inspiring. It was nice to hear because there are a lot of people making too much out of the star of Bethlehem. They're trying to make it into something human, human, and, and it's all about them. And the star of Bethlehem was really all about the Son of God becoming flesh to dwell among us. Stocks are sharply down today, and I mention that only because we don't do business reports on this program. But they're down because they've discovered a new strain of virus, particularly in Europe, the last couple of days. Dow Jones Industrial Futures were trading down 312 points. Most of the business news this morning is saying that it's due to the recently discovered COVID-19 strain could be up to 70% more transmissible than the original one. Prime Minister, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has imposed much stricter lockdowns on Great Britain. Germany has put in force just three days ago stronger lockdown um, 
rules. That's what's happening in our world. There is much today to be pretty depressed about in our world, but at this time, particularly at this time of year, we know that there is a a power that is greater than all of this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why do we keep talking about the election? I mean, is it because we just can't let go? We didn't. It didn't turn out the way we wanted it to? I suppose that's a part of it. But conservatives are still talking about the election. And one of the reasons they are is there's a report out this morning, just this morning, a Michigan judge has ordered that the results of an independent forensic audit of the Dominion voting system, that's those, that company that owns all those uh, voting machines, or they created them, they've sold them to 28 or 30 states in, in the United States. They're used to count the votes. Antrim County was famously, <laughs> famously produced a, a flip that was later blamed on a glitch awarding Joe Biden thousands and thousands of votes just in one county. Allied Securities Operations Group, it's a security company from Dallas, Texas, they performed an audit. This Russell Ramsland, who is highly trusted and a genius at these kinds of things, he was there and he oversaw the audit. They found an incredible 68% error rate in the machine, 68%. That's 85,000 times higher than the error rate considered acceptable by the Federal Election Commission. I'm wondering why the Federal Election Commission even allows for any error rate. I mean, shouldn't we get this right? It's about the future of the country. No error should be acceptable in reality, but a 68% failure rate in the machine's ability to accurately count votes, that demonstrates once again, that's today. Not three weeks ago, not last month, today. That demonstrates again, something is very, very wrong in this election. And yet somehow the Democrats and the media, they seem to claim there's no evidence. Every night the people in their local markets from, you know, from the village to New York City, they come on the air saying there's no credible evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever of fraud. And it's all over the place. It's everywhere. Even Mitch McConnell told the senators last week that he didn't want them to get involved in some kind of an action coming up on on January 6th. And I talked about that. It's going to be a big deal. We'll talk about it more as we move toward that date. But he said, don't get involved in that. I'm asking myself, why? Why should that not be challenged? The evidence is everywhere. This election was rigged. I am com- I am totally convinced of that. I wouldn't say that to those of you who listen and support this radio ministry if I didn't believe it with all my heart. I think there's error in every election. But 68% failure rate? I don't think so. The computer system shows that the adjudication logs, this is just this morning, it shows that the adjudication logs for prior years are all there. But the adjudication log entries for the 2020 election cycle, just a month ago, they're gone. We don't know what happened to them, the people who own, run, and teach others to run the machines said. 
We don't know. All of the authorities that have looked at this, the experts, say the lack of records prevents any form of audit accountability. You can check all of the previous elections going back for years on these machines, but you can't do an audit on the 2020 election on these machines because, well, they disappeared. We don't know what happened to them. Must have been a glitch. I don't mean to sound cynical, but I will tell you, this is not good, (laughs) what we're seeing play out before us today. And I don't know what the ultimate resolution is going to be, but I can tell you one thing. God is in control, but he expects us to be responsible stewards of the wonderful blessings that he's given us. And I am so glad that there are people continuing to look into this. Whether or not this election would be overturned and Trump would be given, perhaps was given by voters, by citizens, another four years in office, that's an important matter. But more important is the integrity of our voting system, because if that if that if that can't be trusted, what do we have as far as our country is concerned? Not much as far as choosing our own leadership. That would change America forever if these people get control of our election and continue to have control of the election. Who's to say that this Republican runoff, these two senators in Georgia, coming up after the first of the year, who's to say that the same tactics used in the presidential election will not be used in Georgia because court after court, judge after judge, not this one this morning in Michigan, but most of them just throw it out. They say, no, there's no substantial evidence when the evidence is mountainous. It's like looking at a clear blue sky and saying the sky is not blue. It is not blue. That's what we're looking at today. And that's, That's a very troubling time to be in as far as our country and our freedoms are concerned. And there is this constant attack on freedom. Saturday night, hundreds of young conservative attendees, they were at the Turning Point USA National Student Action Summit. They were locked out from from an arena that the leaders of this, it's a conservative, it's not a Christian organization, but it's it's a conservative, young, for young conservatives, many Christians are involved in it. Turning Point USA, they have their Student Action Summit Convention. Thousands of kids go there, young, young people. Leadership said arrangements of overflow rooms and all of this had been made well in advance. Bills were paid. The authorities denied hundreds of students access. Just locked the door on Saturday night. That summit is continuing over the weekend, yesterday, and I think it wraps up today. But they had speakers like Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump Jr., Sebastian Gorka, Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager, Representative Matt Gates, and other well-known speakers, people that we all know their names if we follow current events at all. What they did was when this happened, they heard about it, and these hundreds and hundreds of kids, they traveled from all of kids, young adults, had traveled from all over the country. They were there in Palm Beach. They couldn't get in. They had paid their dues. The organization had paid the convention center, but the convention center said, no, it is for the greater good. 
we're going to lock these people out because it could be that we would have more people on the premises than we should. Even though these large overflow rooms isolated from the main convention hall with big screens were standing by because they knew there would be a certain number of people there because they had registered and it was several thousand. Officials of Palm Beach County, they own the convention center. They claim the Turning Point simply oversold the tickets, but Turning Point proved they didn't. They told them the exact number they had sold and showed him and they said no we're not we're not going to accept that so when the main venue reached the proscribed capacity county officials locked the door one tpusa spokesman said when they blocked the attendees from picking up their badges in the foyer it caused chaos with hundreds of kids stuck outside they wouldn't even allow them to get their badges so that they could get access to the overflow spaces so they locked them out because they didn't have their badges, but they locked the kids out from getting their badges in the foyer of this convention center. Boy, I'll tell you, parking lots were filled with these young conservative kids. They didn't want to leave. They wanted to hear these speakers. One spokesman said this is a prime example of how these arbitrary draconian lockdown measures caused chaos, just like they have throughout the rest of the country. Well, I agree. So did the speakers. So they gave their speeches inside to those that were inside the arena. Then they went outside and got those megaphones, like those Black Lives Matter people and all those guys are running up and down the streets of Seattle and Portland and Chicago and wherever. They got a hold of these, these conservative guys, Prager and Tucker Carlson and all these guys. They, get, they go back out in the parking lot to these hundreds of kids that were locked out, and they gave their speech again. Don Jr., Tucker Carlson, Dennis Prager, conservative worldview was taught and encouraged. But it was Matt Gates who said something there that really resonated with me and with all of the people who were there. Now, you know I've been talking about, on this program, I've been talking about, about on January 6th, there's going to be an event that could be huge. They're trying to tamp it down. But this is when, and I talked about it on Friday, this is when the electoral votes are brought into the joint session of Congress, I mean, the whole Congress, and they have the electoral votes in them. They're little boxes that date back, you know, 100 years or more they've been doing this. And it's usually without much to do. In fact, it often doesn't even hardly get mentioned in the news. This year, I would expect it will be a really big deal. But Matt Gates is a Florida congressman. In fact, when he started his speech, he said, my name is Matt Gates. I'm a Florida man, Florida congressman. And he said, I'm Nancy Pelosi's worst nightmare in the United States House of Representatives. He is among the younger group. I don't know how old he is, but he's not very old. I mean, a lot of people don't look very old to me anymore. But anyway, he's not. He's a younger guy, smart as a whip, very well-spoken extremely conservative. He said, I've got bad news. The last time I gave a speech, I got banned from the state where I gave the speech. The governor told me I was no longer welcome, but he said the good news is that was only in New Jersey. After talking about the resistance and the outright discrimination against conservatives in our culture, he addressed the obvious and the abundant fraud in the 2020 election. 
He said they couldn't beat Trump with actual votes at the ballot box, so they tried with impeachment at the witness box. And when that failed, they ran to the mailbox where they could process hundreds of thousands of votes, oftentimes in the darkness of night without signature matches, excluding the observers, sometimes where people voted in different states, sometimes when they lived in different states, sometimes when they weren't even alive anymore. So he said on January 6th, I'm joining with the fighters in Congress and we're going to object to electors from states that didn't run clean elections. He quoted Senator-elect Tommy Tuberville, Republican from Alabama. He's a previous football coach, well-known in that part of the country. He's also joining the opposition to electors on January 6th. Gates said, it's time to stand and take a fight. I'm in. I'm going to oppose this election. As I, I don't want to be repetitious, but I went through this on Friday. There is that opportunity for congressmen to oppose the electoral vote if there is obvious fraud. At least a couple of other senators will be joining with them in resistance. Even though Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and I can't believe he's doing this, but he is, he's warning them not to do it. But polls and surveys consistently show that American conservatives are getting fed up with this unveiled discrimination toward them. And now they're kids, our kids. And anyone else who holds a different view than the far left radical progressives. It isn't what you believe, it's what you don't believe. If you don't embrace the far left radical humanistic ideology or worldview, you're out. Cato survey came out recently. They found that 71% of Americans say political correctness has silenced discussions in our society and discussions that our society should be having. 58% of them in their the Cato poll showed that, that, or they said that they hold political views that they're afraid to share publicly. In America? America was founded on that basic issue. Freedom of expression. Freedom of religious expression. Even NBC and CBS have found similar numbers in their surveys. There's a whole segment of this society. In fact, it's a majority of our culture are afraid to talk out loud about what they believe because they don't embrace the craziness of Bernie Sanders. And I don't know what Joe Biden believes. I'm not sure he knows what he believes other than that his lifelong dream has been to be president of the United States. But the people he's putting around him are the most far-left, radical people in the history of this nation, should he become president. Last year, The Hill, which is not a conservative news source, it published a feature article explaining that the appalling discrimination against America's young conservatives need needs to be known. Doug McKinnon, he wrote the article. They published it. He was a political and communications consultant to Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. He tells of his experience at a political event. He said it was a Republican politician was there making his appeal for support. He said, I was there in attendance sitting in this small group in the crowd. But he said he made his support. He said there was a group of high school students there. And he said they started speaking up, not adversarial. They were interested. They supported this guy. They started asking him, and they started asking some of the crowd who were 50, 60, 70-year-olds in the room. They said, is there anything that 
you can do to help us with the threatening discrimination against us in public schools. He said if we met, they said if they told this crowd and the, this politician, if we say anything about our Christian faith or our conservative beliefs, we're punished. If we say anything about our conservative beliefs, we're punished. McKinnon said, as I sat there, he said, I watched the adults in the crowd were silent. He said, they said nothing. They just looked. So he said, the politician was up there with his sleeves rolled up, running for office, asking for money and votes. He's, I'm going to fight for you, that message. He said, the politician finally felt that he had to respond, so he gave a meaningless, generic answer, and then he moved on to how he was going to fight for our rights. I don't want to sound cynical, because I'm not. In fact, I have the heart of a pastor and a lifetime of ministry, but I will tell you that we, the people we elect, too often, not always, but too often, they say one thing to the little crowds scattered across the countryside of their district or their the part of this country that they represent if they win. I'm going to fight for you, but when you ask them an honest question, they don't, they don't have answers. Or if they do, they're vague and generic. And when they go back to D.C. to, quote, fight for us, they don't fight for us. They meld into a lifestyle that's too, in my view, too comfortable, too accommodating. They're not fighting for anyone. It becomes a career. Our founders never had that in mind when they set up our governmental system. People left their lawyers' offices their little shops along Main Street or their farms, and they went to Washington, D.C. to truly represent the people that they were supposed to be representing, their friends and family and the people they knew at church and at school and civic organizations in their town and their area. That's all changed now. It's a career. And again, I don't mean to sound cynical, but that's a part of what's at the heart of what's wrong in America today and with our voting. We really don't have people when we elect them and send them off to D.C., even to the state capitol, but much more so the federal. They don't represent us. First and foremost, they're representing themselves in the next election. That's what's wrong, and I'm sorry to say that, but that's the way it is, in my view at least. And that's why we see these kinds of things happening unchecked in our country Today, the far-left radicals have gained control over the largest megaphones in our culture, the media, academia, and the entertainment industry. Not coincidentally, these are the same institutions that strongly condemn discrimination. But they do so selectively because to the left, the end always justifies the means. We need to be aggressively informed as to what our children are being taught at school, and elsewhere, and we need to be informed. And thank you for standing with us as we inform the people to the best of our ability. And thank you for being with me today. Thank you for your support. Box 399 Bellevue 98009.